God, if he would have you give anything above your tithe to help us kickstart this ministry. And we had a, a nonprofit willing to match dollar for dollar up to 10000 And I, I will be honest with you, I was hoping that after two weeks, uh, we would get something close to 10000 But because of your generosity, we had over $21,000. I'm so thankful for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and honestly, what I love about it even more is that it, the vision is spreading for what we're doing. And um, first of all, it's because it gives us the opportunity uh, to be able to kickstart this ministry, to kind of get some things done, get some things rolling. And, and it's a slow-moving wheel, okay? So please be patient with us. But we've actually already been able to receive some people who want counseling, and we've been able to start the process with them already. We've already gotten started. But what was even more exciting is I had a, a couple pastors contact me and say, man, this is awesome. This is great. We live in different states can we send people to you? And I said, no, (laughs) but I got something even better. Let us figure this out and then let us just give everything we know to you. And why don't you start a counseling center in your community? And they were like, that's awesome. So wouldn't it be great if what God starts with us and he's doing through so many others that we could then sow seeds to other places and really help them just continue to spread that around and what God is doing. And so I'm so very excited. Thank you so much for partnering with us in this. And uh, as always, it's open. And so if you would like to know more about this, Please stop by the Welcome Center, and we can help you know what that looks like. If you would like to take part in this, if you would like to help us in leading this, we would love to talk with you more about that, okay? All right, if you have your Bibles with me, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to get there. But I want to kind of frame this a little bit by telling you uh, a story about how you need to pray for my girls, okay? Uh, because they have parents who love to aggravate them, and that's just the way it goes. And I don't know if, if you've been a parent for very long, uh, you know exactly what this means, but every Christmas, we, we like to say that we're celebrating Jesus, and we are, but we're also celebrating presents, you know, the opportunity to get all the things all the time. And I noticed with my girls that there were two categories of presents that they always wanted. They wanted the, they, or rather presents they received, and it was things they wanted and things they needed, right? They, they didn't really care too much about the things they needed. The, the, the wanted pile was what they were really excited about. But as parents, we knew that they, there was more to it, you know, than, than just the things, right? And so there were two categories of gifts, and it would always be so much fun that we would have all these different gifts, and they would always look at the size of the present and be like, I can tell, that must be something good, you know, because it was a huge box, you know, and there would be a little one like, ah, it's probably toothpaste, you know, moving on, you know, all that. And so what would happen is, is they would open one present and be like, oh, yay, socks, how'd you know? You know, so, so thankful, and just kind of move that along. That was in their needed pile, right? Then they would go to the next one and be like, oh, a toy, day of days, the Lord is good, I got a new toy, you know, whatever it was, you know, and it would change. And, and as parents, we knew that really the best gift was the socks because within an hour, they don't care about the toy. They're playing with the box it came in. That's always the way. Did anybody else's kids do that, right? Yeah. Couldn't find their toy in a couple hours, but the socks is the gift that keeps on giving, man. I'm telling you, I got socks that I've had since before I was married, probably. I'm telling you, and I should have retired them. But I haven't. It's fine. And what we started to realize is to have a whole lot of fun with our girls, and because we're, we'd aggravate a little bit, we would combine the two. And so what they would do is they would open up a box and be like, oh, look, socks. How'd you know? And they'd go and throw the box away. and say, no, 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 keep digging, keep digging. And as they would keep digging, they would go, oh, a toy, day of days, and celebrate and all that stuff. And what we would try to do is trying to kind of, first of all, aggravate, because that's who we are. But then the second thing was is to kind of teach the lesson of Keep digging. The more you keep digging, the more you might find. And so, yes, I know you look and you see some socks and you're like, oh, great, moving on. But actually, if you keep on looking, there's good stuff in there. You just got to keep 
digging. And the more, the more, you, more you look, the more you'll find, and it's just amazing. And I think God's word is like that. I think that when we first look at it, there's, there's some stuff that we want, and there's also some stuff that we need in here. And, and the stuff that we want is awesome, but it's the stuff that we need that actually sustains us and helps us last a while. And, and because of that, we're going to really just, just kind of give ourselves a gift uh, starting this Sunday. And I, and I just promise you, the more we dig, the more we're going to find as we begin our series entitled King Jesus. And that is going to be a study through the, the gospel of Matthew. And so we're going, to, we're going to walk through the gospel of Matthew. It's almost like giving ourselves a gift and just saying the more we dig into this and the more we look at this, man, we're going to find some amazing treasures. Man, we keep digging, we're going to find even more and even more as we focus on the life of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. And the, the question would be why? Like, why should we even do this? And that's where we get Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to start uh, a study through the book of Matthew, not in the book of Matthew. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. But, but Hebrews, I love how the message says it. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way and all these veteran, uh, veteran Christians cheering us on, and what he had just got through doing is the writer of Hebrews had just been telling the story of, of Abraham and Moses and David and all these great uh, men of faith and what God had done in their life and this wonderful legacy of faith that, that they left to us. And he's like, now you see all of these testimonies that are that pointing the way. What do we do? Man, we strip down and start running and never quit. No extra fat, no parasitic sins. And if you're taking notes, if you want to underline this uh, in your notes, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And then if you are still taking notes, you want to circle that word study. Study how he did it. Why? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. And he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, the shame, whatever. And then listen to this. It says, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, Wanting, you know, threatening to, to throw in that, that white flag, saying, hey, I don't know if I can do this anymore. When you find yourself in that place, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through. And when you do, that will shoot some adrenaline into your souls. And what I love about that is what God's word is promising us is, man, we've got such a great testimony of, of what God can do through the lives of people as we study his word. And that's amazing but when God's word really finds its home in your heart, it's not when everything is going well, but when everything is not going well. As a matter of fact, he says, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, when you find yourself discouraged, when you find yourself needing some hope, when you find yourself needing something and, and needing to know what's going on, that's when you really need to go and look at the word of God and you really need to go over it line by line so that you can really see what God's word is doing. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go over God's word one section at a time and see that it will shoot some adrenaline into our soul. And so let's, let's just kind of start from the beginning. College football started a couple weeks ago. And so at the beginning of it, I know, amen, praise the Lord, uh, praise the Lord for Alabama and all the other teams that's out there, right? And, and just like at the beginning of, of a game, they kind of show the stats of the team. Well, that's what we're going to do. Let's look at the stats of the book of Matthew. And, and by the way, I am working on like an ongoing kind of commentary on my blog, uh, brandoncannon.com, so that you can dig even deeper because we're going to go over it line by line, and it's going to take way longer than I probably intended to to get it going. And so I'm going to have some of this up there, but make sure uh, that you take as many notes as possible on this, because the stats are, first of all, who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. <laughs> uh, that's where we actually get uh, that, that title from, is because Matthew wrote it. 
And even though his name is not there, uh, all early church fathers immediately pointed to uh, the, the uh, Apostle Matthew as the one who wrote it, uh, also known as Levi. Uh, that was his, his Hebrew name, and he wrote that. And what's amazing, too, is when you understand who Matthew is, it's even more amazing. Because since he wrote the first gospel in the New Testament, we kind of sometimes see him as a front runner of, of the apostles, right? You had Peter, of course. He was the loud guy. And then Matthew bust, must have been next. That's actually not true that actually probably Judas was next because he was in charge of, of the finances. But actually, when you know the culture, Matthew was probably the least likely to succeed. He may have very well been the, the outcast that wasn't invited to the, to the guy's night out when they would have one because he was a tax collector. And what that meant was is that he had uh, forsaken his Jewish heritage, aligned himself with the Romans, and went and collected taxes from all of his friends, relatives, and neighbors. <laughs> and so it's very possible that some of the apostles had had their taxes collected from my friend Matt. So he was probably not uh, liked by all of them. But God did such an amazing thing in his life that he actually was used by God to end up writing the gospel of Matthew. When was it written? Between 60 and 65 AD. That is around 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Did you know the first recorded information we have on uh, Alexander the Great was 300 years after uh, his death? And so in, in the time and context to have it 30 years after Jesus' resurrection is a, a snap of the fingers when it comes to history. It's very, very close right after the resurrection uh, of Jesus. And, and some of that is disputed, but that is a good, good timeline on when exactly it was. To whom was it written? It was written primarily to the Jewish nation which is kind of awesome if you think about it because it was the Jewish nation that had kicked Matt to the curb because he's collecting taxes that Matt's coming back and he's saying, hey guys, but I gotta tell you about what God has done. And he, was, he goes right back to the nation that had probably cast him out. And what was the purpose? Was to proclaim the long-awaited promised king has come. Because all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, there was a promise that one day God himself would, would enter into time and space and come in and clothe himself with flesh and redeem all of mankind. And they've been waiting for thousands of years for the king to come. And Matt says, he's here. He finally made it. That's why there's more Old Testament uh, references in the book of Matthew than anywhere else and the New Testament is he's constantly saying that king we've been waiting on, that king we've been looking for, he's here and he's now. That's why we call the name of the series King Jesus, is that's the point of the Gospel of Matthew is to, is to let everybody know that the king is here. And then here's the question, which is the big idea of our entire series, and that is why should I care? Like, that's great. I'm not Jewish. I'm, I'm, I'm me. Why, why should I care about the book of Matthew? And here's the reason why, if you're taking notes, and that is because when I know Jesus... I know who I am. When I know who Jesus is, when I know who my king is, when I know what he says, that's where I get my identity. I know who I am because I know who Jesus is. And then when I know who I am, I know how to live. When I know who Jesus is, I can know me. In a world that's constantly trying to define me, all you got to do is be on social media for five minutes and someone's going to try to tell you who you are. And here's the thing, a long time ago, the one who died for your sins and rose again, he said, I've got a big idea for who you are. And when we know who he is, we know who we are. And then when we know who we are, we know how to walk through this life and we know what to do and how to do it and how to move through it. And so that's what we're gonna do is we're gonna discover who Jesus is because he's gonna help us to know us. And then we're gonna learn how to walk through this life as we follow our king. And then here's the last question we're gonna jump into letting you know what we're gonna do. And that is how. Because, Pastor, let's be real honest, my friend. Let's just get real, real honest. It took you a year 
to get through Ephesians, okay? There's six chapters in that joker. There's 28 in the book of Matthew. Are we going to be here 28 years? Well, we may be here in 28 years, but if we're still in the book of Matthew, I did something very, very wrong, okay? That is not the plan. I, it is amazing how many of y'all, I just saw your shoulders just relax when I said that. That's awesome. Thank you so very much. But in order to kind of let you know what we're going to be doing, uh, I want to kind of bring your attention to something that's actually very popular in our current culture, and that is not Netflix, but any streaming service. Like, if you ever watched a TV show, yes, of course you have, all right? Yeah, Full House or uh, Three's Company or whatever. I mean, you, watch, you watch the series and the shows. Well, now you can stream all, all, all of them. And maybe it was Stranger Things, Alone, High School Musical, the musical, the series, whatever it was. You've seen them, right? And here's the thing. What do they do? They all move through seasons, right? You've got the overarching big idea. There's a bad guy doing a bad thing, but there's a good guy doing a better thing. And in the end, we win. That's, that's, that's every show we've ever watched, right? And what they do is, is every single season, they, they have like a new thing, and they, they kind of talk about the new thing. Well, what's really cool is, is they didn't start this. Like you go back into the time of, of, of Shakespeare and all this, a lot of the plays he wrote were, were part of the same thing. But even further back than that, one of the first recorded instances where they actually used different seasons to tell a story was the book of Matthew. Because what actually happened is, is that Matthew actually took five of the biggest discourses, or sermons that Jesus talked about. He really talked about five main things over the course of his ministry. And what, what Matthew actually did was he talked about all five of those. He, he quoted Jesus all five of his major discourses and sermons. And then there would be two or three chapters where then Jesus would go and live it out in front of everybody. Five different things. And then he put the beginning, the birth of Jesus, and then he put the Great Commission on the end. And that's where we got the gospel of Matthew. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to have King Jesus and we're going to have six different series well, we're going to talk about the six different things that Jesus did. The, the first one isn't a discourse of Jesus. It's kind of give you the, uh, the heads up on how everything got started. And then the five different main conversations that Jesus had with people. He really only said five major things. We're going to discuss it. And I'm telling you what I, I'm really excited about is the more I know Jesus, the more I know who I am. In a world that is constantly trying to tell me who I am and who I'm not and who I should vote for and who I should align myself with, can I get past all of that and get all the way down to the bedrock? Who am I? Jesus, the one who died for you and the one who rose again, he wants to tell us who we are. And then when I know who I am, there's so many decisions I don't have to make anymore because I know who I am. I already know what to do and how to live. And so what we're going to do for the remainder of our time is I want to share with you the six chapters, six sections, rather, six discourses we're going to walk through. And we're going to talk about just really quickly the six things that Jesus wants to say to all of us. And I'm curious in here, which, which thing do you need to know about Jesus? What, what is the question that you've had in your life? What, what is it about Jesus that's kind of hanging you up right now? It's that you're struggling with your identity. You're struggling with knowing how to live and what to do. What is it that Jesus needs to speak into your life? And I want to cover these six things really quickly, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. And I hope you get as excited as I do because, man, we're going we're gonna to have so much fun. I can't wait to, to share with you some things that I'm already kind of finding out as I'm studying deeper because, man, the more I know Jesus, the more he's telling me about me. And the more he's telling me about me, the more I'm knowing how to live in my life. So here's the first one. The first thing we need to know about Jesus is this. And that is, we're gonna, our first uh, section is going to be the beginning, chapters 1 through 4. And what we need to know about Jesus is that Jesus has come to us. That he, we, we didn't start this relationship. That Jesus started it with all of us. And that means so much to me to realize that, that Jesus has already taken a step 
toward me. And in the first four chapters, man, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about next week, we're going to talk about the genealogies of Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you, know, you know that part, the book of Matthew, that everybody skips, all right? You know, the son of, the son of, the son of, Lord, help us just, just move on. You know, I, I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've started with Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You know, just skip right over that. But, but maybe, hopefully, for the first time, we're going to uh, show you some things that there's, there's actually five different people in the book of Matthew that's written in the genealogy that's not written anywhere else that is amazing and it is powerful and it will speak to our lives. It's, it's awesome. You know, it, we're, we're going to learn about Johnny B., also known as John the Baptist, okay? But uh, that's the way I like to call him. And, and he was awesome, all right? He, he was an outcast, and he was amazing. And do you ever wonder why he was living in the, the desert? It's like a really good reason. Why, why is it that he ate locusts and wild honey? I want to tell you all about it. I can't wait because we find out about this guy. We can find out what God's doing in our life. And then we're going to find out about the magi, you know, the wise men. Did you know we actually don't know how many there were? We just know they brought three gifts. Did you know Daniel sent them? <laughs> It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I can't wait to tell you all about it. But what I love the most about this section is the Bible said, and this is actually a quote from the book of Isaiah, as Matthew is constantly trying to tell the, the Israelites, man, the king we've been waiting on, he's here. Because it was prophesied that a virgin would conceive a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Well, what do you mean? They called him Jesus. But this, this is more of a title attached to his name. In other words, that when this one is born, he's not just going to be a really cool dude. He's going to be God in flesh. And that's what actually the name of Jesus means, God saves. And isn't it amazing that when people all over our world right now use the name of Jesus not to give him glory but to bring him slander, they're still declaring the, the gospel that God saves. Even when they cuss, they're saying God saves. And they're declaring God's goodness over their life whether they realize it or not. And you know what I love about this? The reason why when I know who God is, he helps me know who I am, is because I begin to realize that Jesus came on a rescue mission for me. So how in the world can I not treat myself with dignity? How can I not treat you with infinite dignity and value? Because the same Jesus that loves me also loves you. And he didn't just shout his love from heaven, but he came and he entered into everything that we went through. It would be like if someone fell down in a ditch somewhere, instead of just saying, I hope it works out, he got in the ditch with us. And then he pulls us out himself. And so there's infinite value, infinite dignity in your life when you realize that the king of all kings has entered into this world. And you know what he says? I am interested in you. I came to rescue you. And we're gonna get to see all of this. We get to see how Jesus gets into a verbal fist fight with the devil, and the devil loses so, so very bad. It's going to be amazing. And maybe you need to hear today, what do I, how do I live? I live with confidence because the king of all kings is interested in you. The second thing we're going to do is from chapter 5 to chapter 7, we're going to call it the message, and that is that Jesus has something to say. Jesus has something to say in my life. Chapter 5 through 7 it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Did you know that in, in some secular uh, uh, colleges, they actually study the Sermon on the Mount, not because they think that Jesus is God, but because they still claim it's one of the best pieces of literature that has ever been written because you can't deny the wisdom that is there. And Jesus cheated because he's God. But he gave it to all of us and to help us realize that what I love about God is he could have just saved us and then said, figure it out. But he saves us, and then he turns around, and he starts helping us learn how to live in the freedom that he bought for us. He says, I want to set you free, and then I want to teach you how to stay free in your life. 
And the reason why I love that so much is because he not only teaches me how to live in freedom, but he also teaches me about the realities of the world around us. I love this, that he says this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching, look at your neighbor and say, anyone. Look at somebody else and say, you're an anyone. Yes, it's weird. Anyone, all right, me, you, everybody who listens to my teachings and follows them is wise. Like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Why? Because it is built on bedrock. In other words, it's not just for the religious elite. It's not just for those who've been in church a long time. But anyone who's willing to listen to the word of God and then apply it to their life, not if, but when the storms come, they will not be destroyed. Why? Not because of how awesome they are, but because of how awesome their foundation is. But here's the thing on the other side. Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth because he also says, by the way, also anyone, look at your neighbor and say, you're an anyone. You're an anyone. Y'all did really good on that one. Yeah, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Tell your neighbor. No, no, don't tell your neighbor they're foolish. All right, don't do that. All right, but you are, including me, if we hear it, but don't obey it. That's the, that's the difficulty of God's word. When we treat God's word as a bunch of fortune cookies, well, we, we just take out pieces and then we hear it and we, we put it on a t-shirt, we put it somewhere else, but we don't actually obey what it says. That person is like they build their house on the sand. In other words, they're able to build a house. They're able to make it look good. They look like a great Christian. But when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, they're gonna be embarrassed. Their life is gonna fall apart. Their life is gonna crash. Why? Because they knew it, but they didn't live it in their life. And what I love is that my king loves me enough to tell me the truth. And when I know who I am, I know how to live, and I live with confidence because I know that I'm not just walking in the dark hoping for someone to help me, but my king has given me the rule book of how to live an overcoming life. He sets me free, and then he teaches me how to stay free. And can I tell you that if you're in here and you're a Christ follower, but you're struggling right now, and you're struggling with with trying to figure out why these storms in life are here, can I tell you that Jesus loves you enough to tell you how to stay free in your life. And we're gonna go through it and we're gonna watch and see what Jesus does in our life. So I don't know if that's what you need to hear. Maybe you need to hear that Jesus came on a rescue mission for you. Maybe you need to hear that Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth. The third thing is, is that maybe you need to hear that Jesus has a plan for you. The third section, the third discourse, or excuse me, the second discourse, but the third part is chapters 10 through 12 about the the mission. And that's where we get to see that Jesus calls the 12 uh, apostles. And I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't tell you all 12 of them. I, I know there was Thomas because he wouldn't believe in anything. And there was John because he called himself the beloved. That's kind of awesome. And then you got Peter, and then you got his brother. And then I start to get foggy after that. But we're going to talk about all 12 of them. And it's going to be awesome to see what God did in their life. And he called each one of them by name. And then he said for everybody else, because Jesus didn't just call 12, but he actually sent out 70 at one point. And for all of them, he said, I got a plan for your life. Isn't it amazing that Jesus doesn't just rescue us. He doesn't just teach us how to be free, but then he gives us a job. He gives us dignity and value by letting us be part of his kingdom and gives us something to do. But here's the challenge is that because of our culture around us, we can get so confused Because what we tend to do a lot of times, myself being the number one guilty person, is I figure out the plan I want for my life, and then I ask God to bless it. But really, actually, what God's word says is he said, you want to know your plan? My plan is for your life. My plan for your life is for you to come to me, 
all who are weary and carry heavy burdens so that I can give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you, the burden I give you is light. So you know what God's plan for your life is primarily? It's not in what you accomplish, but in who you become. God's ultimate plan for your life is not that how, how big your name gets or how, how, how far up the ladder you move if you lose your joy, if you lose like the ability to lay your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep. Now, there is nothing wrong with, with doing, God doing great things in your life, but those are a byproduct of the relationship you have with him. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't die, rise again, and set you free so that you could fulfill the great commission called the American dream. There's nothing wrong with that, and man, I'm all about it, but that is a byproduct. Because man, wouldn't it be terrible if you get to the top of the ladder only to find out it's leaning up against the wrong building? And you get all the way to the top, but man, you don't have a single person to call a friend, and you you lose everything on the inside, but you've got everything on the outside. And what Jesus says is, make sure that my plan and your plan add up. And if not, I love you enough to wait right here until you build all your kingdoms, and I'm still going to wait right here and say, man, I love you so much, and I don't require all of that. I just want you, and if you'll just align your heart with me, I got a plan for your life that's even better, and that Jesus actually transcends all the things around us, and he's interested in us having a life, not just making a living, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing all of that, but if it comes out of a need to achieve and accomplish, it'll always be empty in the end, and that's why Jesus says the ultimate plan I have for you is for us to be in a strong relationship, and then you can run and do all the things that I've called you to do, and there's life there. Jesus said it like this. You're going to read this. I think it's on Tuesday in Revelation chapter 3. And for those of you who've not been so Bible reading with us, we're going through the book of Revelation right now. So fun times, right? But, but Revelation 3 says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. You know the ultimate plan of God for our life is that we would be called a friend of God. All the things that Abraham uh, accomplished through him living his life and, and God being his, and, and the testimony he had was he was a friend of God. Can I tell you, the ultimate plan for God's life is not anything more or less than you be a friend of God. And when I know who I am, I know how to live. You know how I live? I live in every single moment saying, Jesus, are you, are you good? Are we good? Yeah, man, we're so good. I love you. Then I can handle anything else that comes along. I can handle bad seasons. I can handle diff- difficult circumstances because my relationship with God is right. And what I love about that is it gives me joy to not be perfect. It gives me the ability to not have it all figured out. I don't, I don't have to because my relationship with God is not in jeopardy. And so therefore, I can walk through this life and figure it out and joy instead of anxiety because my relationship with God is the most important thing. And so I don't know what you need to know about God, but the more I know who Jesus is, the more I know who I am. And the more I know who I am, I know how to live. And maybe you need to hear Jesus say that I love you. And I came on a rescue mission for you. Not only did I want to, do I want to set you free, but then I also want to teach you how to stay free in your life. Not only that, but I want to teach you how to stay free and I have a plan for your life. The next part we're going to get into is what we're going to call the kingdom. And that's chapter 13 through 17. And it's that Jesus has power over all. That Jesus, King Jesus, has power over all. 
In this section, he's going to talk about the kingdoms, uh, the kingdom of God and how it runs and how he rules this kingdom. And it's going to be amazing. And there's this wonderful moment when he's wondering if the people are starting to figure out what's going on. It's kind of figure out the things that are happening. And so he asked his disciples, he was like, who do all these people say that I am? And they were like, you know, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. And then Peter looks at him and he says, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for. You're him. You're not not just a really cool guy, but you're, you're the king. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. But upon this rock, he, he renames it from Simon to Peter, and he says, upon that profession of faith, that I'm the king, upon that rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So what he's saying is, is he's saying, on the rock, on the foundation that I am the king, And on that declaration, Peter, I'm going to give you what you need so that you can start off this church and that the church will never leave from this earth once it is started because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And you know why this is so important? It's because coming up in November, we've got the midterm elections. And then, praise the Lord, the next presidential election is going to begin. And you know what? The thing is, is you you know me well enough now, now to know I'm never going to stand up here and tell you who to vote for. I am going to tell you that we are not primarily citizens of the United States of America. Our primary citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Now, that does not mean that I'm against the United States of America. Have you been around me lately, right? Like, I love our country. I'd rather live here than any, anywhere. I, I absolutely am so proud. But the reason why I can do that is because my primary citizenship is in the kingdom of God, and it makes me a better citizen of the United States. And so I'm for the kingdom of God primarily. And what I love is that, that the United States has been around about 250 years, and I celebrate every one of those years. The kingdom of God, the church, has been around for 2,000 years. We're not going anywhere. Therefore, what I can do is I can be removed enough to say I can pray for every single one of the candidates. I can pray for every one of my brothers and sisters. I can pray for all of this because my heart is not based in that. My heart is based in the kingdom of God. And we, as a big C church, need to remember that. We need to remember that the the weapons we fight with are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. They're spiritual weapons of pulling down strongholds. And we do that because our citizenship is primarily in the kingdom of heaven. And when we do that, we can get disappointed but never discouraged because Jesus has power over all. And so we can trust him with everything. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to get crazy up in here starting November on. I'm not talking about up in here. Maybe we're going to try to keep peace in here. But it's going to get crazy everywhere. But let, let the church be a place of peace because we say our kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to just dive right into that, man. And we're going to talk about what that means to be a citizen of the city of God. I mean, it's going to be powerful. Maybe that needs to be what you need to hear. It's when I know who Jesus is, I know who I am. When I know who I am, I know what to do. And what do I do is I realize, first of all, that, man, Jesus came on a rescue mission for me. That he loves me enough to set me free and then teach me how to stay free. He tells me he has a plan for my life. And then he reminds me that his kingdom is not going anywhere. So I can stand with confidence to realize that his kingdom is not shaken. The next thing he talks about is the community, and that is that Jesus has a plan for unity. What's amazing is that not only does Jesus love us, he wants to set us free, he wants to tell us about the plan he has for us, he reminds us that, man, we don't have to live in fear because his kingdom is not going anywhere. But then he also says, I know you, and I know that you jokers, (laughs) 
and myself included, need to constantly be reminded that we fight for unity. Because as people, we don't drift toward unity, we drift toward disunity. And the thing is that Jesus loves us enough to speak to that and to speak to what his kingdom is supposed to look like. And it, it hurts my feelings so much. And I know it's kind of been used in our culture to be a bad thing, uh, but we talk about how people don't want to be considered sheep. That's that whole thing, you know. Well, it really got it from the Bible. The Bible calls us in a metaphor that the people of God is like sheep. Well, I hate that because if, if you ever talk to a shepherd, sheep are terrible. <laughs> They're mean. They hurt each other. They bite each other all the time. You can't keep them organized. And I was like, man, that's like my house. <laughs> you know, that's, it is amazing how we struggle with this. But the thing is, is that Jesus knows us. And so instead of just kind of hoping for the best, he says, I got a plan for how when the world goes crazy, you guys can stay strong. And he says it like this. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt the authority of those under them. But among you, it will be different. But whoever wants to be a leader among you. So here it goes. He's like, Jesus, the king says, you wanna know what leadership is? Let me share it with you. Write it down. And he says this, whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. And I checked and double-checked, and the Greek word for servant means servant. <laughs> it absolutely does. And then he goes even further. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your... Ugh. I didn't even underline that because it made me so mad. All right. And I looked for that, and it's a word, the word is doulos, which means ser- uh, slave. I mean, whoever wants to be uh, first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he just goes even another level and said, the king of all kings, the, the, the creator of all things, I have taken the posture of a servant in order to show you how it's done. And so the world we live in is it's actually the opposite, right? It's whoever, whoever can get to the top of the ladder, those are the people who are in charge and they get to have their way. And Jesus is like, that's fine for them in the kingdom of God. It's who can serve the most, who can go out of their way to honor the most. And the problem with that is, It's because everybody's on a different place in their relationship with God when it comes to the kingdom of God. And Ephesians says that when we're saved, we're brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And when we're in the kingdom of darkness, we don't know anything about serve. We know about getting and mine and I gotta have it. Why? Because we live in a dark place and the only way we're gonna survive is if we put number one first and it's about me, myself, and I. That's the kingdom of darkness. But when we come into the kingdom of light, we've been served so well by Jesus that now we can serve others. But the problem with that is, is we have some people who, they, they, they're in the kingdom of light, but they still live with the brokenness of the kingdom of darkness. And that's why it can be so difficult, is you have some people who want to give, and you got some people with the spiritual gift of take. <laughs> like, man, serve me. Serve me. That's fine. Help me. Do for me. Serve me. And that, that starts to rub people the wrong way, doesn't it? It's like, I want to serve you, but I don't want you to take advantage of me. And in a, in a perfect world, in the kingdom of God, it would be amazing because I would serve you and then you would serve me and I would be so blessed by that that I'm gonna serve you even more and you're gonna serve me anymore, even more and it's just, it gets awesome. But there are people in our world that they still live according to the, the rules of darkness and so you serve them and they just say, appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, listen, I need some more, I need some more. And there needs to be room for that for a little while but then the goal is that you grow until you learn the power and the value of serving others. Well, what I love about Jesus is he teaches us about that. He teaches us how to find the tension between that's enough, it's now time for you to start serving others. You wonder why Jesus asks us, Malachi chapter three, and then Jesus affirms it in the book of Luke, why we give our tithe? 
You know why? It's because it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. And we're supposed to be spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. We're supposed to be part of this thing, not just benefit from this thing. And so we, we start to give and we start to live and to move and we start to grow. And so what I love about the kingdom of God is that it is growing and it is vibrant and our king has something to say. And I don't know what it is that you need to know. But what I realize is that number one is that Jesus tells us that he came on a rescue mission for you and for me. Maybe you need to hear Jesus say that I not only want to set you free, but then I want to teach you how to stay free. I've got something to say. Maybe you need to hear Jesus say that I have a plan for your life. And the primary plan that I have is healing and for closeness with him. Maybe you need to hear that, man, he hasn't lost a step. He's still powerful over everything, and the church isn't going anywhere. And so you put your hope in him, you're going to be all right. Maybe you need to hear this one, and that is that the kingdom of God is also about community, where we do life together. And then finally, maybe you need to hear that the victory is that Jesus remains undefeated. Now, as we finish this this whole book of Matthew, we're going to finish on this section. And this one is going to be the most controversial because chapter 24 and 25 is where Jesus himself talks about the end of days and the end of time. And it has been used by a lot of different people to mean a lot of different things. And so uh, we're going to go through this and we're just going to talk about what Jesus said and what he didn't say. And then we're going to just go straight through it and figure it out together. But what I love about it is that Jesus says, hey, hey, listen, at the end of days, it's going to get bad and it's going to be going to get difficult. And then he says, let me show you what I'm going to do about it. And he stretches his hands and he dies. And then he rises again. And that is that even though bad things are going to happen to good people, I have something that can fix all of that, and it is my life. And then when it's over with, he says this in Matthew 28. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what Jesus says, he's saying, listen, I'm undefeated. I know it may not look like it at the time when, when you saw me on the cross, but guess what? The story wasn't over yet. And now here I am. And so what I have invested in you, go tell everybody else. Do you realize that all of us in here are a fulfillment of that commission. Because at the time, these guys were in the Middle East. We live here. And so the reason why we're here is because somebody went and spread the good news of the gospel. And you know what he said? Go make disciples and then teach them everything that I gave you. In other words, give them the same present that I gave you. And teach them how to dig through it and to find the socks. And instead of just pushing it aside, use them. And then, and then find the good things as well. And, and as you continue to do this, man, they're going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to hand it to somebody else. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be awesome. And that's what our hope is throughout this series is that, man, we are going to take that present and we're going to open it and we're going to go through all of it. And we're going we're gonna to figure out what God is saying to us. And we're going to find out that the more we know who Jesus is, the more we're going to know who we are. And the more we know who we are, we're going to know how to live. And when we know that, this is what we can realize, and that is that knowing Jesus does not always take away my problems. Knowing Jesus helps me know my king is bigger than my problems. Knowing Jesus does not always take away all my problems. Knowing Jesus helps me know 
that my king is bigger than my problems. And so as we get ready to end our time together, let's get really, really real for a moment. And that is, this is the reason why I'm here this morning. For those of you who don't know, Thursday a week ago, I got a call from my sister. And she said, Mom's not doing good. We're taking her to the emergency room. And my mom had been struggling for quite a while. And this is not the first time she's been in the emergency room. She's already on hospice care. And she's having some infections in her hands, and it was, it was getting bad. I rushed to get down there and was able to have one last conversation with her. And then this past Thursday, so a week later, she passed away. And they're going to, as soon as we get finished with our church services, we're actually going to be heading to Alabama, and we're going to have our funeral tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you, it's been very difficult. It's difficult to sit in a hospital room with the tension of not wanting your mom to go, but not wanting her to suffer anymore. I would never want anyone to pass away again in my life, but I do sincerely hope I don't have to go through that again. Because you don't even know how to pray, except the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was like, Father, I would really rather not do this, but not my will, but yours be done. And that just kind of became our prayer every day. I would sit with my sister and I would say, you know what? Father, I'd really rather us not go through this, but not my will, but yours be done. And I'll be honest with you, when I, I, hope, I, haven't, I hope I haven't done too bad of a job today. I can't keep a solid thought in my head. I, uh, I hope I got all the points right. But it's just so cloudy up here. But the reason why I'm here is because I'm not the only one hurting today. Some of you have lost family members. There's people in our church that lost a husband just this past week. There's people in our church that have devastating relationship situations and their marriages are hanging on by a thread and there's situations going on with their kids, there's situations going on with their parents and, and just like my situation is big for me, yours is big for you and you have every right to feel the same way that I do. And then on top of that, I'm talking to people who are, who are saying, you know, that Queen Elizabeth passed away and they were like, it, it's not just her, it's the end of an era. I feel like I don't even know the world my kids are growing up in and I'm so terribly afraid for what's going to come next. I'm not going to let a service pass that I forget to mention 9-11 is today. and never going to forget what happened on that day and the lives that were lost. And for some of us, we were connected to people who passed away on that day. And we carry those people in our hearts. Everything is great. Isn't Christianity fun when everything's going well and you get the promotion and all that's great? But you know when it really matters is on days like today. Because what I've learned is that sometimes the only way to truly see the light of God's goodness is to walk through dark places. Can I tell you, I have seen God's peace more in the past 10 days than I've seen in a long time. So when I tell you that I believe this stuff, I believe it because I've been through it. And I'm walking through it right now. And I'm here because of you. Because we walk through it together. And because my pain is your pain. And because everyone has a private battle nobody else knows about. Mine is public. Yours is private. It doesn't make it any less real. But the same Jesus that has been carrying me for the past 10 days wants to carry you in whatever you're going through. And sometimes the only way to truly see God's goodness is to go through dark places. And I don't know, maybe you're in here and 
Maybe you're going through a dark place right now and you just want God to give you some kind of sign, some kind of, some kind of word. God, can you tell me if you're still here? If you're still here, what in the world do you want me to do? And I tell you, maybe you need to know that Jesus came to rescue you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, inside your worship, God, on your connect card is a prayer that you can pray. And I'm not going to lead you in that prayer. I want you to pray that prayer and take your time on it and really know what it says because you may need to stop at a couple places and you need to add some stuff to it. But whatever that is, maybe in just a moment when the band leads us to one more worship song, maybe you need to step out of your situation and come up here and give your life to Jesus. Bring the card with you. We're not going to bother you. It's a moment between you and God, but it's also you telling the world, I'm going all in for Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you want to be free, but you got no idea how. And you're in a dark place, struggling with an addiction. Can I tell you that Jesus loves you enough to set you free, and then he wants you to walk in freedom. And maybe you need to come up here, and you just need to lay it down to the Lord. God, as, a, as an act of surrender, I lay down that addiction to you. I ask you to give me the strength to walk in freedom. Give me the strength to surround people, whatever it is, man. Maybe, maybe you're in here, and you need, you need to remember that God has a plan for your life, and it's got nothing to do with the corporate ladder and everything to do with wholeness in your life and healing and forgiveness giving you the strength to forgive that person who hurt you, whatever that is. Maybe it's to realize that Jesus hasn't lost a battle yet, and if you're in the middle of a dark place, it means it's not over yet. If it's not right, it's not over. And he's still undefeated. Whatever you need, our king is available, and he wants to give it to you. So is it okay if I pray for us? The band is gonna lead us in one more worship song. And we don't ever do this, but especially not today. Let's not play church. Let's have an encounter with Jesus. Because I know I need him. And I got a feeling you do too. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you, God, that in this place you see us and you know us. And God, if it's big enough for us to worry about, it's big enough for you to focus on that everybody in this place has a private battle that nobody else knows about, and it's just as big as anybody else's, but it's not too big for you. And God, as we declare that you are our king, we also celebrate that you are not far from any one of us, that in this moment, maybe there are people that they need you, Jesus, to wash away all their sin. They don't have a relationship with you. I'm so thankful that you're not mad at us. You're not vengeful toward us. You're in love with us. And God, as we run to you today, I pray you will meet us in this moment. For others, God, maybe we're struggling with the plan you have for our life, or maybe we're struggling with addictions or just, just pain. At some point, it all bleeds together. But God, we know that you are able to bring healing like no other. And so God, as we get ready to worship you, help us to find you in this place and in this moment. Speak hope to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me all over the house?